Hello, this is your Polycast for Wednesday, April 1st, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News. On today's edition, first responders are looking for workers' compensation amid the COVID-19 outbreak. Minnesota's new prison ombudsman says inmates who are due to be released soon should be let out early to slow the spread of COVID-19. Matt Sepik reports. Mark Hazi runs the state office that handles complaints about prisons. He wants lawmakers to give Corrections Commissioner Paul Schnell more authority to put inmates on supervised release six months ahead of schedule and to limit the number of incoming prisoners. Hazi says it's difficult to maintain social distancing behind bars. Unless we thin out the population in our prisons, I'm really concerned that we're not going to be able to situation. Governor Tim Wall says he would consider an executive order granting the commissioner more leeway, but the DFLer says he would prefer to have legislative approval. The Corrections Department says a Moose Lake inmate and a staff member at the Red Wing Juvenile Facility each tested positive for the coronavirus over the weekend. I'm Matt Sepik, Minneapolis. Expired Minnesota driver's licenses will be considered valid for several more months. Brian Baxt has more. People whose license or ID card lapsed during the ongoing coronavirus epidemic will get a reprieve. Under a law that Governor Tim Wall signed over the weekend, expiration dates will be pushed out until the health emergency is over. The new expiration date will be two months after Walls lifts a peacetime emergency. The federal government has already delayed its real ID deadline from October of this year to October of 2021 for people using the card to get through airport security. Minnesota vehicle registration won't be subject to extensions because people can do that function online or by mail. Currently, car owners have 10 days beyond the end of their annual registration month to display updated stickers. I'm Brian Baxt. Minnesota first responders, health care workers, and other public employees say they need an added protection in their fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. They want a change in state law that would guarantee them the opportunity to claim workers' compensation if they contract the disease. But as Tim Pugmire tells us, state lawmakers omitted the proposal from the package of coronavirus measures they passed last week. As a St. Paul Fire Department captain, Chris Parsons knows that he and his colleagues risk contracting COVID-19 every day on the job. But right now, employees would need to prove their exposure was work-related in order to make a workers' compensation claim. Parsons is also president of the Minnesota Professional Firefighters Union. He and others want to shift the burden of proof to the employers. It gives the employee a fighting chance when they're going in and trying to get uh, uh, disability benefits. Legislation was introduced a few weeks ago to make the change, and House and Senate leaders considered it as part of the $330 million coronavirus relief package that lawmakers passed last week. But the measure fell by the wayside during negotiations. DFL State Senator Eric Simonson of Duluth raised concerns about the omission during last week's Senate debate. This should have been our highest priority, members. We need to take care of those that are willing to take care of us. We all know that this is going to get worse before it gets better. We all know that these folks are going to be exposed day in and day out. Republican Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said the issue was left out of the bill because the state's Workers' Compensation Advisory Council, which represents both organized labor and business interests, was not in full agreement on the matter. The fact that they did not support this 
uh, led me to believe that we shouldn't be doing it. Doug Loon is president of the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Advisory Council. He said there were many unanswered questions about the original proposal, including the time frame and exactly who was covered. Loon said the business community tried to address those issues in an alternative plan put forward this week. We want to do it the right way. Uh, we support first responders and healthcare providers. We want to make sure that they're able to do their jobs and that they're confident that they'll be cared for if they become infected by uh, COVID-19. And we urge the uh, governor and legislators and those on the Workers' Comp Advisory Council to proceed with a reasonable plan. The League of Minnesota Cities is also proposing an alternative plan that includes the creation of a separate state account to deal with COVID-19-related claims. DFL House Speaker Melissa Hortman said negotiations continue behind the scenes on the issue and a measure could be part of the next package of COVID-19 relief. Hortman said there's also a possibility that Governor Tim Walls will act sooner and make the change via executive order. We need our first responders more than we ever have before, and they need to have the peace of mind that we have their back. If they can't prove that they got COVID-19 on the job, but we know they're at increased risk for getting it while they're on the job, we should assure them that we're going to take care of them if they get COVID-19. A bipartisan group of 59 legislators sent a letter to the governor this week urging him to issue an executive order. There's also an online petition seeking the same thing. It has more than 20,000 signatures. I'm Tim Pugmire. Tribal nations across Minnesota are mobilizing to prepare for the pandemic. Many have issued stay-at-home orders for tribal residents, but there's fear that COVID-19 will disproportionately affect a population with high rates of chronic disease and a severely underfunded health care system. Dan Gunderson has more. In the best of times, the health system for Native American tribes is stretched thin. Tribal officials know they will quickly be overwhelmed if COVID-19 cases surge in Indian country, where there's a patchwork of federal, tribal, and private care providers. Donald Warren is director of the Indians into Medicine program at the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks. He says the challenges for tribal communities go far beyond an aging, underfunded health care system. I think one of the huge risks that we face includes inadequate housing and crowded conditions. Then throw on top of that uh, high rates of chronic disease that put people at greater risk. In many Minnesota reservation communities, poverty and a lack of adequate housing means several generations of a family or several families might live in a single home. American Indians have high rates of chronic diseases like diabetes and lung disease, which can increase the severity in cases of COVID-19. We do have to be cognizant of the fact that what we're going to do is have pockets of extremely high rates of disease within particular households because of overcrowding. I really do fear some of the negative outcomes from this pandemic in tribal populations. The ability of tribes to prepare for and respond to the pandemic varies. Most tribes don't have the capacity to care for critically ill patients, and some of the 11 tribal nations across Minnesota have more resources than others. At White Earth, Public Health Medical Director Carson Gardner says his department has about three to four weeks' supply of masks and other protective gear for tribal health workers. 
At Leech Lake, Tribal Health Director Brian Brudel says his team is scrambling to get adequate personal protective equipment for tribal health care workers at several clinics. We don't have the supplies. We don't have the masks. We don't have basic PPE. We don't have uh, gloves. That's a concern for us. You know, tribal communities like ours are are fighting tooth and nail to just get the minimum supplies here. And that's nothing new, says Mary Owen. We have been at the bottom of the list for um, health issues forever since the beginning of Indian Health Service. It's never been funded at the level of any other health system. Owen is director of the Center of American Indian and Minority Health at the University of Minnesota Medical School's Duluth campus. In a system where we get less than half the amount on health care per patient than the national average, we're just even that much further behind when we get hit by something like this. She says in the Indian Health Service region that serves Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, half of the approved positions for doctors are vacant. A recent report found Indian Health Service has only half the capacity it needs to serve the American Indian populations, and that's under pre-pandemic conditions. The federal agency did not respond to questions. While many Minnesota tribal communities are isolated, Tribal officials are concerned about members from urban areas returning home during the pandemic and possibly bringing the coronavirus with them. Owen says that's a real concern given reservations' already crowded housing conditions. You know, 70% of us are urban, and uh, people tend to want to be with those that they're close to in these kind of anxious times and are going home to these tight-knit communities. So yes, this disease can spread back and forth and likely will. Tribal officials say they are as well prepared as they can be. Many have issued stay-at-home orders. White Earth Medical Director Carson Gardner says they are planning for a temporary hospital facility to care for patients who are not critically ill in case area hospitals are overwhelmed. Tribal officials are using a casino kitchen to prepare meals that are being delivered to elders and other residents in need. They sent elders a packet of traditional medicine. And we just have a lot of dedicated people who are calling the one-call line not to ask for help, but to offer themselves as volunteers to help. But across Indian country, leaders worry that once again, they will be at the bottom of the list for help from the federal government in responding to the pandemic. With reporting from Kirsty Marone, Dan Gunderson, NPR News, Moorhead. And that's your Polycast for this Wednesday, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News. Thank you.